Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns and Foster, Temper Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60 month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome into Sabres Live. If we're looking at this objectively, Buffalo Sabres, Detroit Red Wings, Ottawa Senators. More specifically, if we're looking at it physically and literally, clearly a Buffalo armed with a saber is going to be able to dismiss a Red Wing and or a Senator. So I think just in name and stature alone here, as we dive into who should be winning this offseason race to ultimately win the regular season race for a playoff spot, and we're talking about the Sabres, the Senators, and the Wings, because Ottawa made a big splash yesterday getting Vladimir Tarasenko on a one-year $5 million deal. Marty, we're going to invest some time today in this exact matchup between three, dare I say, three appropriately identified as Atlantic division teams. Um, Yeah, we are very close to the Atlantic uh, when we look at Buffalo and Detroit. If you go into the uh, lakes and you float all the way down the St. Lawrence River, maybe you catch Ottawa and then you end up in the Atlantic. So, yeah. Um, I don't know about the name. That's why I don't like the names of the division. I want to go back to what they were named in the 80s with the the four divisions that were not named with locations, more with a uh, just a name. I don't want to go back to the uh, pandemic year when it was the, uh, you know, enterprise uh, North division. And you're the uh, only person who knows that we need to leave. Let that lay. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Let's By the way, Zach live. Benson has just signed his three-year entry-level deal. I'm not sure yes. how it's going to factor into this comparison, but maybe, well, Marty you know what it factors us. in. And this is uh, before we look at the, the way the teams are built, like their top nine, their D's and, and everything for me, the biggest difference between Detroit, Ottawa and Buffalo comes to the development of players on those teams. Ottawa and Buffalo has a huge advantage in the fact that I believe they've developed a lot more players, drafted players or young players that were traded there that ended up being developed through the minor leagues, through the, you know, first year uh, in the NHL, second year in the NHL. You look at Thompson, you look at Cousins, Paterka, Middlestat, Dallin Power, Samuels, like there's so many of them that have been developed. Ottawa's got the same thing. Ottawa's got a lot of their own players that they've developed over the time. I look at Detroit. 
I don't see the same thing. I see Detroit are as they are trying to piece it together with trades and UFAs and let's try to make it work. Other than Dylan Larkin and Mo Sider, they don't have an impactful player for me right now on that team that was developed. Not like the Sabres do and not like the Ottawa Senators do. So that's the first thing I look at when I look at those two teams is who's got the the edge, uh, those three teams. Who has the edge? Mm-hmm. Well, you got to look at the roster, but how the, the roster was built. And obviously, that's why I feel like Ottawa and Buffalo are in a different category because Detroit did not develop much of their roster. No, but Simon Edmondson's going to be in there too. Um, he may not appear, he should, uh, but maybe won't on our defense list here coming up for the Red Wings. It's hard to know because they did add a lot of new pieces this offseason. But if we look at yeah, the forward, did. well, here, here's the, let me, let's do the. And maybe it works fine for them. I just don't, when you think of long-term well, success, I, I don't like that. I like a team that develops their players. True. But the Wings have no one to apologize to based on their run of 25 years prior. Exactly. But they did a lot of developing their own players then, and that was the key to their success. They did, but they also then had the ability to hit free agent home run after home run after home run yes. because everybody wanted to come in at the end of their careers, i.e. Robitaille, Hull, yes. you know you know what I mean? Like Pashek so, and it, whatever, it, right? Right, like, exactly. Well, so the Sabres had the biggest point improvement last year between yes. the three. They went up to 91 points. It was a 16-point improvement. And when you consider where they were at the tail end of Ralph Kruger and the early returns of Don Granado, they were a 330 points percentage team. They improved to 457 and last year got up to 555. So clearly trending in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Now, the auto, but they're still carrying the longest playoff drought in the NHL at 12 yes. years. Ottawa may be overlooked by some because they too missed the playoffs, but they had a 13 point improvement. So they were right there. With Buffalo, they ended up with 86 points. They're currently in a six-year drought and have missed in eight of the last 10. The problem for Ottawa, as it comes pertains to patience, is they were at 437, then 455, then back to 445, and now at 524. So it's been a it's been a little bit like, hey, when are we going to take the jump? So yes. the jump wasn't as big as Buffalo, but it's close, and they did so with arguably without arguably one of their top players in Josh Norris for the entirety of the season. And they've certainly revamped, which we'll dive into. Detroit hung around in this race, maybe longer than some thought they would. Yeah, I think so. They ended up with 80 points. That was a plus six on their ledger. But they're riding a seven-year playoff drought right Mm -hmm. now. And their last four years have been interesting, to say the least. They bottomed out at 275 points percentage. They went up to 429, Mm. which gave everybody high hopes. They made a marginal step to 451, and then they made another step to 488 last year. But they've yet been able to crest over that 500 plateau, which at the bare minimum is what keeps you into the conversation into the first week of April. So how do you, like, this is a lot of weight to carry on these three franchises right now. When you consider the length, collective length of the playoff droughts here between the three. So the one thing that stood out to me when I went to NHL.com this morning and I pulled up the standings from last season to compare those three teams is that, first of all, Detroit was the one team under 500, under NHL 500, but they were under 500. Ottawa and Buffalo were above 500. The other thing that stood out to me is that 
Buffalo scored 296. Ottawa scored 261 in 82 games. Detroit, 240. Like, it's a game where you have to score to win games. And although this next season could change, I don't think that Detroit laid the groundwork for being an offensive team and moving in that direction next year. So that is the biggest thing. When you look at goal differential, like only Columbus, Montreal, and Philly was worse than Detroit in the Eastern Conference. Like that to me, again, goal differential, people are going to say, oh, you know what? Sometimes you can win big and it's going to make it up. But last season, only one team with a plus goal differential missed the playoff and it was the Calgary Flames. The other 16 teams that had a plus goal differential made it. Detroit was at minus 55. Like they would have to make a major jump next year in the goal differential category. They were minus 39, sorry. But they'd have to make a major jump to say, hey, can we flip the script and be in the positive next year? Buffalo was minus four. Like that's a much closer um, realistic goal to flip it around. That's true or is it? Because (laughs) some would say that maybe they haven't fixed their biggest problem, but maybe there is no way to fix it, but patience and time. Mm -hmm. The Sabres averaged 3.57 goals per game last year. That was third best in the NHL. The Senators were 18th. The Red Wings were 24th. But of course, on the flip side of it, the Sabres were 26th in goals against. Ottawa was 20th and have a new goaltender. And the Red Wings were 22nd, and they hope that their then-new goaltender has a much better showing this year than he did last year. As it turns out, the margin is very slim between both all three of them when it comes to goals for and goals against. So that's troubling, because when I look at a big picture of last year, I feel like Buffalo should have been leaps and bounds ahead of these other two teams. But the harsh numbers that come in at the end on the defensive side, they, they take a little bit of that zap out of the offensive numbers, don't they? They do. They do. And you're right. Like, but the Sabres are not banking like Ottawa and Sin. We're going to bring a goaltender or Detroit's in. Well, we brought a goaltender already in Ville Husso, and hopefully he can take a step forward. They're mm-hmm. banking on their defense being a better defensive group, a better defensive structure uh, that's going to help and insulate the goaltender. So that's the approach of the Sabres. But you're right. When you look at it, 300 goals given up last year, again, in the Eastern Conference, there's only two teams that gave up more. Montreal and Columbus. Mm-hmm. I mean, even Philly, who's not a, was not a good team, were 23 goals less given up than the Buffalo Sabres. That's a big difference. I love that. It just sounded funny. And I, I hope it, it lasts Philly? that way for even Philly. <laughs> <laughs> Special teams, Buffalo ninth on the power play, Ottawa eighth, and Detroit 17th. On the penalty kill, Buffalo 28th, Ottawa 14th, Detroit 18th. The biggest area of concern out of all six of those special teams units is Buffalo's penalty kill. That That's not even close. Yeah. The other five groups can live with what they were. Buffalo cannot be 28th on the penalty kill. Agree? Agree. And, and a lot of it comes down to, well, goaltending when you come down to penalty kill, right? And or so, defensive And defensive, changes, right? And, and Matias Samuelson being available for more than 55 games, right? That's a big difference too. Uh, but uh, so the the quick answer to that is you're going to need better goaltending. But I do believe that the Sabres um, 
will put a lot more emphasis on that penalty kill unit and how to sort it out and make it better. There was some flaws last year in the way that they played, I believe, or maybe not their structure, but their quick reaction or lack of quick reactions on the power play, allowing certain shots to come on net where and rebounds around the crease to be tapped in. You got to clear that out. So to me, that's the biggest difference. Okay. You mentioned the forwards, and this is where we really start to dive in a little bit and go side by side to a certain degree. Obviously, there's a plus or minus uh, one or two players on each of these projections yes. because um, you you don't know how camp is going to to play out for these teams, uh, injuries, and you know who's going to line up with whom. But Buffalo's forwards were cream of the crop among these three last year. They ranked second in the NHL in goals with 264 from their forwards. Mm -hmm. Only Edmonton had more from their forwards. Uh, the Senators had the 15th-ranked total of 229. They didn't the even Red have 264 goals altogether. The Ottawa Senators had 261. Right. And the Red Wings had 196 goals from their forwards, which explains why, and so you're going to see in this graphic, they had so many changes now among their forward group. Yes. So we can wonder who's going to be in the top nine for Buffalo. And we can do it with excitement because we don't know if it's going to be Yuri Kulik sliding in. We don't know if Victor Olofsson's going to be staying for sure based on the Jack Quinn injury. And, you know, we also are wondering just how the depth is, is going to play. Like, does Rusek come, come in and, and, or does anybody else come in at this point in time? Yes. And when you compare you know, what might potentially be Buffalo's top nine. You look at Ottawa and you have to acknowledge the Tarasenko acquisition yesterday, yes. the expected full health of a very big time scorer in Josh Norris, and to a lesser extent, a piece of the Debrinket trade, which was Dominic Kubelik. Not to mention kids like Pinto, who scored 20 last year, needs a new deal, and Ridley Gregg, who the organization absolutely loves, who could carve out a spot. Then you look at the most um, changed group, and that is Detroit. They've mm -hmm. added Debrinket. They've added JT Comfort. <clears throat> they've added Clem Coston. They've added Daniel Sprong, who, by the way, was the highest goal scorer for the fewest minutes in the NHL last year. What do you make when you look at these teams' potential top nines? Well, the way that I look at it is Ottawa's got game changers. They got Tim Stutzla. They got Brady Kachuk. They got Claude Giroux, who's even older, is still a game changer. Tarasenko could be a game changer. I mean, he dropped off a little bit last year. The fit wasn't great in New York, but could be a game changer. And you mentioned guys like Norris and Drake Batherson. I think they've got game changers up front. When I look at Detroit, I say, okay, like they do have a couple of game changers. Mm -hmm. I will say Dylan Larkin and Alex Debrinkit. After that, it's a lot of surrounding piece, supporting pieces. And that, to me, is the big difference. And that's why Ottawa, in my opinion, is way ahead of Detroit because they have game changers. And if they lose one of those game changers, they still have four. They still have three. Like, if uh, if Detroit loses Larkin for any extent of time, well, they're stuck with nobody. Game changers. Maybe they bring it, but who's going to help them? Right. Mm -hmm. So that's the big issue here. The depth when it comes to Ottawa, especially with their game changers, has them ahead of the Red Wings, in my opinion, when you look at the top nine. I think it's fair, even though it's more done and fun. But if people refer to Detroit as the mid wings, 
you would understand that, right? That it doesn't that feel like how like they might have technically a more solid four through twelve yeah. in their forward ranks, right? That's fair. Yeah, just, better, just better the, middle two lines, but yeah. you, again, it's not that, game changers. Yeah. You've got to have game changers. You have to have guys that you're down a goal with five minutes and you're like, they're going to play every other shifts and they're going to get it done. That to me is a big missing piece for the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, from an age standpoint, as it pertained to the forwards, uh, and these are always rough numbers because they can literally change, uh, you know, I mean, my goodness, Tarasenko's in the lineup one <laughs> night, he's, then he's not, and Ridley yeah. Gregg is. Like, obviously, your average is going to be greatly affected. But the Sabres are roughly 26.1, so is Detroit. And the Senators come in at the youngest group, even with the acquisition of Tarasenko. They're at 25.7 right now. On to the defense. And yes. this this was, <laughs> we tried to go with six. And well, I, we didn't now, compare to Sabres forward group yet. Like, uh, do you want to, like, my opinion? Oh, on well, what they that were group? on the graphic for those yeah. watching on MSG. So, and we do spend every waking hour talking, talking about, about them. them. So I did, I mean, hey, throw out a new configuration, Marty. If you've got something to add with the Sabre forwards, I'm all for it. My only thing that I have to add is the Sabres do have game changers. I don't think it's the same number that the Ottawa Senators have. When you look at the top nine, I think Ottawa could have five or six game changers in their forward group. Buffalo probably has four, uh, three or four, which is good. Uh, but they're they're high elite game changers. They're Tage Thompson type game changers. They're Dylan Cousins type game changers, right? They're Alex Tuck type game changers. So I think that that's why to me, Buffalo, again, maybe not on the same level with the number of game changers that Ottawa does have, but they're really close because of the quality of players that they do have. I just got a text. It has to do with the graphic on the screen. What do you oh, think's what missing? It? What do you think's missing and who sent it? Um, I do not know. What think is... of the Red Wings. Think of think the, the pre-show joke. Oh, look on graphic. Oh, Christian Fisher. Oh, yeah. Well, obviously, Fisher is not on that list. And our producer, Joe Pinter, for the games in Buffalo, um, he's not going to be happy because of the uh, family um, connection there. Yes. We'll see if Fisher can carve out a spot. But honestly, he's one of the reasons why I call them the Midwings now, because he, on any given night, could float up in there, right? Second, third, fourth line. And I think that's what the Red Wings have a lot of. They just, they're, they're probably going to have some really nice versatility for Newsy Lalonde to work yep. with behind the bench. And, uh, you know, I think that'll be an interesting observation, those three teams and how productive are their forwards. The Blue Lines have some really interesting star power and obviously depth too. A lot. Uh, I'm going to remove myself from the crafting of the defense document from a Sabre standpoint, because I think Henry Yokiharyu should be on there, but <laughs> maybe Marty put down a little more money to have his thoughts on, uh, on what the graphics should read here for potentially opening night. But honestly, when you, when you look at the blue line, the senators are fascinating because they're getting their first full year of Jacob Chikrin, right? Yes. And the red wings might well, and I would assume will, have Simon Edvidson in this group, even though he's not listed right now. And Buffalo has Yoki Haru, who's not listed right now. But what's also fascinating is the entry-level contracts currently being held by Owen Power, Mo Sider, and Jake Sanderson. Yes. These guys, while not making as much money as the others on the graphic, are 
absolutely the foundational defense core pieces that can and or will shape how these groups look. First of all, do not adjust uh, your um, screen. Uh, Shabbat and Sharat, uh, they look very similar, but they're two different players. So it's not like we duplicated somebody up there. Uh, <laughs> but again, I look at this list and I say, okay, Mo Sider is an elite, elite defenseman. He was rookie of the year uh, two years ago. He's an elite defenseman. But does the Red Wings have another elite defenseman? Edvinson, eventually, yes. Eventually, but I'm looking at this year. I'm looking at this year. I say, no, they don't have that other elite defenseman. Ottawa does. Ottawa does with Shabbat, Chikrin, and Sanderson. They have three. They have three elite, elite defensemen. And they got a good group. Artem Zub is good. He's really good, and he's good supporting piece. Travis Hamonick's going to be fine. Good supporting piece. The Sabres have the same firepower when you look at Dallin Power, and I'll put Samuelson in that category. Like, I would put Dallin Power, Samuelson against Shabbat, Chikrin, and Sanderson and say, I, I, I like what Buffalo has. Look, mm-hmm. I think Ottawa is very sexy as well, but I like what Buffalo has. Now, how does the rest of the group in Buffalo perform? Right now on the screen, we have Clifton, Eric Johnson, Labushkin. Could it be Yokiaru, as you pointed out, Duffer? Could it be Bryson that gets in there? Like the Sabres really have eight defensemen. They're going to be some really tough competition in camp, and it is going to dictate who gets that that you know last pairing defenseman. And to me, that is going to be the difference if the Sabres get on top of Ottawa for the same com- comparison between the top six D. So... Despite the excellent season of Rasmus Dahlin, we know that he cooled offensively towards the end. And we know that there's much more to give from Owen Power. Remember, we were talking about dynamic defensive duos, both in the past and projections earlier in the week. Of the group of defense, Buffalo had the fewest goals from their blue line last year. They had 29. They ranked 30th in the NHL in that regard which probably speaks to Ilya Labushkin being their third highest point producer when he had 14 points. Once again, this stat will keep coming back throughout the summer and throughout next year when Labushkin is not third in scoring for the Sabres and he didn't move up to second or first, it's going to be better for the Sabres for him to be down to fifth or sixth. The Senators had one more goal from their defense. They also didn't have Chikrin for the whole year, so that's a difference maker. They ranked 27th and surprising perhaps... The Red Wings had 41 goals from their defense, which was ninth in the league. Edvinson comes in and is a full-timer, and Gostas Bear continues yeah. his resurgence. There's no reason that group can't improve their power play. Like, Edvinson only played like nine games, seven games, something like that last year. Scored a couple of times. Um, the, the, this might be, again, where Detroit ranks a little higher as far as goals from their defense. But I don't know if it's going to be that dramatic moving forward. I just think there's great opportunity for Buffalo and Ottawa to also add more from there. I believe it is. And I believe, again, giving power may be a a partner that is, I don't want to say better suited because with Yoki Aru, he wasn't bad. But let's let's give Owen Power a, a partner that he can build on. I think that partner is Connor Clifton. Mm-hmm. So then Owen Power jumps up and, and has more than 35 points and probably can get to 10, 15 goals. And Dalene can get to 10, 15 goals. If those two together have 30 goals, 
just those two, and you, you added you add another ten from the rest of the crew. You had forty, and yeah. forty is not bad. Forty is you know where you want to be. It's top ten senators had the youngest defense uh, of that group. Uh, Buffalo was next, and Detroit slightly older at twenty seven point one. Ottawa twenty five point three. Very quickly on the goaltending, we know Buffalo's situation right now. It's uh, Levi, it's Lukanen, it's Comrie. The senators have added Corpusalo. They have Forsberg and they have five others after Forsberg. So take your pick. I'll just leave it at Mad Sogard right now, but they've got a lot of options. <clears throat> the Red Wings still have Billy Huso. They added James Reimer, but I don't think Reimer is going to make the team. I think Alex Lyon will win the battle. He's on a two-year deal and he could very well be the backup. Interesting with Huso. One of the great developments of the offseason was your introduction to me of this incredible stat on hockey reference, RBS. Yes. Really bad starts. Yes. Billy Huso led the league with 17 of them last year. If that changes and Alex Lyon or James Reimer performs admirably, the Red Wings should be a little more stable in goal. But when you look at those three teams, the biggest change was clearly Ottawa hitching their ride to a new number one in Corpus Allo. Okay, so I think Ottawa's had to go, the Ottawa Senators had to go get another goalie because of the double knee surgery that Anton Forsberg had to go through and the recovery and all of that. I think Anton Forsberg gives them, like, in my opinion, Anton Forsberg, fully healthy, is better than Corpus Allo. That's the way I see it, right? So I think that they now have a couple of good options, but I, I really like Anton Forsberg. When Corpus Allo was on a free agent market, my biggest thing, the note I wrote next to his name was buyer beware. Because I think that he did well in L.A. in a situation where L.A. was a really good defensive team. Phoenix Copley did really well in L.A. also. So I'm like, buyer beware here. Better have a good defensive team for Jonas Corpusello to perform. Although he is saying that he is healthy and feeling a lot better. So, but again, Ottawa to me has the advantage. When I we looked at the Ford, the D, and the, the goalie, I think Ottawa is got... Three check marks. Now Buffalo has a couple of check marks there, and maybe their goaltenders performed admirably, and we don't talk about it. Detroit, I'm not sold. I'm not sold on on Villiuso. He came from, you know, St. Louis as a backup, and then got the number one job and struggled there. Nadelkovich struggled in Detroit. He came from Carolina, played really well, struggled in Detroit. I think it's going to be a another one of those unknown, possibly a struggle for Detroit in net again this year. Oh, you're on mutation, Duffer. I like how you oh. mute yourself so that you uh, can cough and clear your throat, but it's better when you get off the mutation station. Uh, thank you. Eric Johnson, Connor <laughs> Clifton, the biggest offseason news for the Sabres. Ottawa added Tarasenko, Kubalik, Corpus Allo, and we'll have a healthy Josh Norris. The Red Wings added Debrinket, Comfer, Costin, Sprong, Fisher, Gostaspare, Hall, and two goalies in the form of Reimer and Lyon. We leave you with that. We've given you the numbers. Yeah. We've given you the projections. It's now still six weeks away, right? No. Oh, my gosh. It's more than that. It's, it's uh, nine. It's like 10, 10 weeks, weeks away. away. Yeah, 10 weeks oh. away, let's say. Well, talk about a buzzkill. 
<laughs> I, oh, guess I, to, I guess I guess I have ready. to say, chew on those numbers for a while. Yes, <laughs> Maybe we'll revisit them when preseason begins in late September. I love uh, it. We've got arbitration hearings that have yet to be done, but uh, we have some numbers that we can at least attach to the mm-hmm. pending hearings. We'll do that with Shana Goldman when we come back. She's our Friday staple right here on Sabres Live, WGR Sports Radio 550 and NSG. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future in vehicles, and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified, diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places.